Offbeat Tracks 121. Hi. Oh, I thought you I'm were going to do a whole freestyle there. No, I wasn't. I, I only thought as far so as. Why are you getting in trouble on Vanderpump Rules this week for freestyling too hard? That's a real thing that happened on a show in 2018. Anyway, I'm Danielle. I just Vanderpump Rules is a phrase that I know exists and has meaning to someone, but I that is the literally the extent of my knowledge. You would totally get addicted to it. Like you'd hate it, but, but you'd I, be like, I hate it, but I'm there. Okay, I got to do it. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to take your word for it. Yeah. So we're doing an album episode today, which I'm very excited about because we have not done an album episode in I don't even. I mean, it's been a minute. It's been moons. Yeah. Many. <laughs> Um, I, I discovered this album very recently and I messaged Danielle and I was like, yo, we got to put together an episode on this. Um, so the artist uh, we're going to talk about is Evelyn Champagne King, um, who you probably know from a couple of big hits that she had in the late seventies and early eighties, but I guarantee you, you've never heard this album. Yeah. Um, today we're going to talk about her 1985 album, which is called A Long Time Coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, for many reasons, I don't really understand why this album did not do so well. Again, it's one of these things marketing, where probably. all the pieces seem to be there. And yeah, marketing neglecting is is basically the only answer I have to come to. But anyway, we'll get to that. So let's talk a little bit about background on on uh, Ms. King, who has, has always spelled her name Evelyn Champagne King, like with the quotes around the champagne, which I love. Like, that's just so extra. And oh, yeah, it's I, I just, super extra. I love that she was so married to that. <laughs> that's that's great. Um, she is from the Bronx in New York City and was born there in 1960. First of all, did you know that she was so young? I did not. I had no idea that she that was that young. really threw me. I was no, like... No, but here's the thing that we're going to get to in yeah. just a minute. Like, a lot of people in her life did not realize how young she was because she lied Ooh. about her age. Ah. Yeah. So she's <laughs> born in the Bronx, but sneaky, at, at some point made her way to Philadelphia in her early teen years because that was her origin was, was Philadelphia. She was one of eight children. Um, her dad sang at the Apollo. Um, her mom was a band manager, so she came from a musical family, and apparently her uncle also sang with Lena Horne, so that's pretty cool. Um, so she moved um, to Philly with her mom as a teenager, and she got a job with her mom as a cleaning lady at Philadelphia International Records, and she lied about her age to get that job. Mm-hmm. So literally, I mean, this is like Hollywood movie story. Literally, producer T-Life, who was one of their their big producers at Philadelphia International, literally heard her singing in the bathroom while she was cleaning the bathroom one day and was like, yo, you can sing. <laughs> she was like, really? And he was like, yeah, come here and you're going to sing on this record. And that is what happened. That, yep. that is literally how she was discovered, which is just so cool and amazing. Um, that, of course, led to Shame, which was her debut breakthrough smash record, 1977. Which is crazy. 17 years old. I never. I had no idea I she was only part 17. part of it, too, is because Evelyn is such an old lady name to me. Right. So, like, <laughs> yeah, right. I always thought right. she to was, people like, our age, yeah. an you, old lady star. Right, I never right. paid attention. I but, was like, oh, so she was 40 when she released. Right. It is weird <laughs> to think that, like, people who are who ha- are named things like Donna and, like, Linda and Evelyn at some point had to be 17. <laughs> that is really odd, isn't it? Anyway, that's how I feel about Evelyn. I had no idea. Never even occurred to me. So that was her big breakthrough in 1977. Then she goes on to have a couple more hits in the early 80s, Love Come Down and I'm In Love. Mm. By the way, produced by, I I did not know this till I looked it up. Did you, you know who produced those? Hmm. Hint, hint, we've done an episode Kashif? on him. It was Kashif. Yeah, I think we talked about it on the Kashif episode. Yeah, so that, I was like, I, I was want to say that we did that. It was Kashif. If we did, if we did bring that up, it totally escaped me. I, no, okay. I did I not. Was like, I feel like we I did not pair Kashif with okay. Love Come Down to My Head. But yeah, he produced those. But then that was kind of like the end of her success, which is a shame because, as you will hear shortly, she kept doing very cool things. Yeah. Um, 
This is the other perplexing thing. So if you look at Evelyn's discography, all the next few albums, even the like, I think there were two more between the Love Come Down album and this one. They still charted like they did okay. And then the first album when she moved off of RCA and went on to whatever label she signed to next, that first album for them was was a chart hit and it did okay. But this one, this was her last album for the RCA label in 1985. It was like the last, the end of her contract. And it did not even chart on the Billboard 200. Her official bio, like on her social media and stuff, does not even mention this album. It's so weird. Weird. It mentions ones that came that came after, like the Love Come Down album, but it it never mentions this one. Maybe so, she didn't even like it. Maybe it was something she didn't want to do. I, I even just know it's so good. I don't know. We I don't like know. It. Yeah. I I I didn't, I didn't know if yeah. you would like it, if you would be into it. But oh yeah. Duh. Um, Duh. So, yeah, the previous LP was called So Romantic. It peaked at number 203. So that's like bubbling under the chart. And then Flirt, which was the first one on the next label. I think she went to EMI, if I'm not mistaken. That uh, was a 192. So, again, like not hit hits, but they charted. This one just did not even just nothing. That's weird. And I don't understand why. Huh. Anyway, there's there's like a, a, a slew of producers she was working with on this record, as you will hear lately. We're going to go through it. Some some really heavy hitters here and and uh, an interesting cover song and yeah. a, a hit from a movie. And anyway, so let's get into uh, the tracks on this on uh, Evelyn Champagne King's 1985 album, A Long Time Coming, um, starting with uh, the first single and the only music video from the album uh, with Your Personal Touch. And this was the only song that charted on the Hot 100 from the album. This did actually chart at number 86. (laughs) Yeah, this is the only song I had heard before, which was, like, oddly enough, a few days before you had listened to this and was like, we should do a thing. I was like, I just heard what I think is from that album because I heard it and I was like, I didn't know Evelyn Champagne King did anything this boppin'. And it was this song I heard on Studio 54 Radio. So um, this is produced by Fred McFarlane and Alan George. And uh, I had never heard of these guys, but I did some research on them. And they are some serious, serious heavy hitters. Uh, Fred McFarlane produced uh, Somebody Else's Guy, the Jocelyn Uh, Brown song. And Show Me Love, Robin S. What? That was this dude. Um, And Alan George, he was kind of like a P-Funk dude. He was like in the P-Funk scene. And then he moved into kind of essentially like all of his credits after that are just collabs with Fred McFarlane. So they were like a... They were a team. They were BFFs. And this was their jam. Um, so, yeah, like I said, this was a number 86 hit um, in, in the on the Hot 100. It, it charted uh, top 10 on R&B and dance also. Um, and I'm not surprised that it was a, an R&B and a dance hit. Oh, yeah, this is right there. For you'll, as you'll hear with a lot of these songs, these were definitely being marketed toward the dance floor. Uh, a lot of these were. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was... I mean that era too. That's when like why I love the R and B, R and B kind of like the R and B dancey pop stuff has a moment on the charts. Like the stuff that had been you know charting on R and B for years is suddenly kind of making a peep onto regular right. radio. It has a moment right here, which right. is good. Um, also, my favorite part of it is that part of it, like there's some background where it says, "You know I love it" after personal touch, but it sounds like. By the way, you go to college, which I thought was funny because <laughs> I was like, oh, she likes some young. Well, I can get it, girl. That's right. And I, like the video is kind of basic for it. It's, it would it would have been kind of interesting to see if they came up with a concept video, but it's it's essentially just her singing the song. Yeah, it's... <laughs> which is kind of a shame. But like she's still cute. <laughs> kind of a shame. Ah, look what I did there. Ah. Didn't even think about it. <laughs> But yeah, like she was all cute and still like so young, just like twenty five years old. I had no idea. That's crazy. No idea. Ooh, you're loving it so- 
Okay, so we move on to High Horse, which was the second single from this. Um, again, charted on R&B and dance, and should be no surprise. Love the vocoder action in this one. It's such a good song. Yes. I love it. How can you not love this? It's good little funky dance pop, whatever it is. It's all of the good stuff of all of those things in 1985 is in High Horse. Yes, and it was another production by uh, McFarlane and George. Same mm. team that did your personal touch. He only wants my love just for we move to more of a down tempo jam that is still like this is the jam on this album i think like if there's if there's like a song to like crank and jam and also this song should be on everybody's booty playlist i'm gonna go on and throw that out there like 100 million percent this is a booty playlist song go put this on your booty playlist right now the synth bass is gonna get you yes it's called it's called slow down um it it only charted r&b and it was like number 81 it didn't you did not do well, which I, I, I'm like, what are you people do? Like, what what more do you want from the the Champagne King? Okay, <laughs> what more can the Champagne King be doing for you? <laughs> that she's giving you these amazing jams and you're giving them no respect. Like, what gets more people more in the mood than like a good synth clap? That's my favorite. Yes, I love the synth clap. And there are so many good versions of this. I, I'm going to bring up the expanded version more later, but there are there are lots of good dub mixes and remixes of this song, and they're all on the expanded version that I'm going to talk about later. But yeah, slow down. I mean, like this. Oh god, it's just so sexy. It's got the guitar in there in just the right mm-hmm. spots, and it's like just the right tempo. This is just just freaking killer production. Um, speaking of production, it was produced by David Walensky, who went by Hawk. David Hawk Walensky. <laughs> um, <laughs> Who, um, I want to know the story behind that one. Yeah. He produced, uh, among a lot of other things, I was going through his credits, and I noticed he produced uh, Shalimar's cut on the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack, Don't Get Stopped in Beverly Hills. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so this is the same dude. come to an interesting moment on this album um sort of the title track but not really um because she still calls it a change is gonna come it's it's a cover of yeah. the of the sam cook classic from 1967 somewhere in there way back there yeah yeah and could not be more different than than sam cook's i don't know how familiar you are with sam I cook's mean, version but I, I, very but 
I don't know. I think she like synth pops it up a little bit. A little bit. I mean, my God. Yes. I mean, but here's the thing. She, I think what makes this work, I feel like a lot of people would have done the same exact thing and not made it work. But what I think about her, she's got that big soulful voice. She so does, it yeah. Remains true to that kind of like. See, it's got enough of the old flavor where you feel like you're not just shitting all over it. Because easily, this could have sounded like you were like put Kylie Minogue on this. This, this it is would just have, no. <laughs> yeah, right. Kylie. <laughs> oh my God! Can you imagine Kylie Minogue? <laughs> like, I can think of something. That would have been. That might have like. That might have started an international crisis at that. <laughs> Jesus Christ! I don't even want to think about that. So yeah, like I, I think. On the surface, it totally does make sense yeah. for me, for Evelyn King to want to cover this song, because I, I do believe that it probably was her idea. Because think about it when the original came out. Think about, like, she was seven, eight years old, and think about all the things she was seeing in the world. So the song was probably a little influential for her when she was yes. a little girl. So it totally makes sense that, oh, no, I'm 25 years old, I've got my own record deal, I'm a, I'm a respected recording artist, and I want to pay tribute to this song that was probably influential when I was a kid. I've, like, I like. I wish I could have found her talking about this anywhere again. I'm purely speculating. I'm just saying in my brain, this perfectly okay. makes sense to me why she would want to cover this song. But it, it's, it's like an interesting convergence of worlds. So you've got Evelyn King, who probably grew up knowing this song and, and liking this song, and... You've got her making this like modern dance poppy, synth poppy, R&B album. <laughs> and she wants to do the song in that vein because she's got a production team at RCA breathing down her neck, probably. Yep. But then also you bring in this production team because did you happen to notice who produced this? No. Oh, Jesus. So Hawk, this was Hawk again. Great. But also it, Patrick Leonard. As in, Patrick, like Madonna. Yeah, as in, open your heart, true blue. Who's that girl? Cherish, live to tell lies, la bonita. All of the, like that. Patrick Leonard. Like two years before Patrick Leonard. Yeah, like Patrick. That Patrick Leonard. By the way, lies, la bonita was on the radio when I walked in here. It's the last song. That's great. I great. listened to anyway. Just great in info. general, weird. Just so, keeps coming up. <laughs> so anyway, that's 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 the convergence weird. of these worlds that came together for Evelyn King to cover. Sam Cooke's A Change Is Gonna Come. So what do you think of it? At the end of the day, I do still think it works. It's it's odd. It's a very odd take on the song. I, I'm not sure what Sam Cooke would, would have thought. I mean, I'm sure he probably would have appreciated it because, you know, again, it was like, hey, yeah. here's this young girl who was, who was worldview. It's, you know, she, she saw this and when she was a little girl and now she wanted to cover it. So I'm sure he would have appreciated it from that angle. But the production is just it's different. It's different. Uh, yeah, it's very the original is a very, it's a soul song, you know? Yeah. And she, like you said, it's interesting because she does have a soulful voice, but she's, she delivers it as more of a straightforward pop song. Yeah, I think it only works because of the way she did it. I can think of many people who were making music at that time who would have made synth poppy stuff and would have tried this, and it would have sounded terrible. And I can't put my finger on exactly what it is, but it doesn't. No, I, I agree. It doesn't not work. I think that she is perhaps the only person who could have pulled this off at this time, except maybe Michael Jackson. I think if he had done it, nobody oh, would have added it. Yeah, than yeah, I. yeah. Well, um, also want to note, I do think it was a good production choice for her for them to add in the long time coming hook. Oh, yeah. And how she yeah. kind of starts with that. Like, that was a good production choice. I like it.
Okay, so now we're going to talk about some more album cuts. Uh, chemist, starting with Chemistry of Love. Um, this was produced by T-Life, the guy who uh, discovered her. T-Life? <laughs> That's fun. Uh, yeah. Um, I, what do you think of this song? Oh, I'm, I'm totally into it, dude. Like, here's the saying. It's a good plain R&B dance pop little song. It's mm-hmm. whatever. And somehow to me, it just doesn't have enough personality. Like to me, it's the real down, the downer of the album, which is weird because it's not a slow song. Interesting. But to me, it's like the not one the slow that jam. Has, no, like to me, it's like the least personality of all of them. Huh. Like to me, when I'm like, what is the the vanilla huh. one of this? It's this song. It just doesn't do much for me, and I can't quite put my finger on why it doesn't. But it's like. I like it. I mean, I think it's. I think a, it's it doesn't a, hold up. This is the albums. album opener. This is the first cut on the album, and it just mm. kind of comes out of the gate, and it's like, this is what I'm doing with this album. This is like my kind of mid tempo dance pop, but very like accessible dance pop. It's yep. it's very accessible R and B dance pop. That's that's what this album is. Yeah. And I think uh, this was a good this was a good choice to open the album. I also, I really wanted to talk about if you find the time, because this is, I, I know I say this all the time on this show, but my God, this is the kind of 80s shit I live for. Like, this is why I love 80s music. Like, yeah. if you find the time to make sweet love. Like, I just like, imagine Evelyn like, hey, if you have time to make sweet love and the guy's like got his planner out. Well, let's see. Uh, I've got a meeting at three on Tuesday. That's how yeah, I, I do it. <laughs> <laughs> Who has time to just live in the moment anymore? Uh, <laughs> all those commercials about being spontaneous. No, no, Evelyn is asking if you can find the time. It's just like it's a very non-sexy way to approach someone. And I think it's very funny. You know what? I think it's very practical. And if practical isn't sexy, well, then we just find different things. Sexy. I did just say that a minute ago that this was very accessible, like accessible <laughs> dance pop. Like, so she's trying to be very relatable and accessible yeah. and really just not get in your way with her when sexual needs. When you're trying to make ends meet, you can't just like put the candles on all the time. You got to like it's you got to plan stuff out. Like I got a meeting at 7 a.m. If you're trying to I don't care what you feel like. It's 1230. <laughs> Either you get this done in 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't know. It's like, it, would even, it would even be less absurd to me if she used basically any other expression for sex than, <laughs> than make sweet love. I don't know why that. This is a combination of all of it. Well, it's so like, that's just a stupid phrase. To be, yes, it is an incredibly stupid phrase, but it, it becomes a million times stupider when you put the phrase, like if, you, if you find the time. In front if of you it. actually say the words make sweet love to someone, like... If you said that out loud to somebody, could you not do it without like some finger points, like little, little finger guns? <laughs> it does, like, it does, it does wanna make sweet love, if baby. You find the time. <laughs> Pencil me in for next Tuesday. <laughs>
So um, we want to talk about one more that uh, is actually not on the original version of the album, but it came out in the same year and is definitely in the same vein as these other songs. And when they did the repress of this um, a couple of years ago, which I guess I can talk about now. So it's, I think, 2013. They remastered and repressed this album on CD, and you got all the 12-inch cuts, all the 7-inch cuts from all this stuff. Nice. And they threw in this one, which was her song from the movie Fright Night, and it's called Give It Up. Have you ever seen Fright Night? No, of course not. Really? That surprises I'm not, me. Yeah. So this is another McFarlane George song, um, and if you've never seen Fright Night, Fright Night was a vampire movie. Um, really, really great use of, like, it's, it's actually genuinely very creepy and frightening at times. Because there's really good use of practical effects, and they they took a lot of time making the movie, and so there'll be a lot of scenes like where somebody's like either turning into a vampire or turning away from being a vampire, and they'll there'll be like a camera cut to a reaction shot, and then they come back, and the person is transformed just a bit more or back, and, back. and so they took all this time like you know, changing the person and then shooting again and again. I can't even imagine how long it took them to shoot some of these scenes. I bet that person could not find the time to but make sweet love. <laughs> it is it is astoundingly effective though. Really? Um and it stars uh, Susan Sarandon's hunky first husband, Chris Sarandon, who I don't know if you're familiar with him, but no, he's, he's mega hunk and he plays the mm. he plays the scary vampire. And uh, yeah, he's a big hunk. And so this song is from a scene about a third of the way through the movie where um, the main character, whose name is Char- Charlie, I think his name's Charlie. He's like lost his girlfriend and is like they're chasing the vampire dude through the club and uh, they are uh, on the street rather and they go into this club and this song is playing and hunky uh. Chris Sarandon is like getting down on the dance floor to Evelyn Champagne King's Give It Up and it's just a lot of sexy things happening at once it's a lot to take <laughs> it's a lot of overload for <laughs> a you lot of overload. <laughs> but yeah dude this I song I really like this song. oh yeah the song rules um it, it is by far the best thing about the Fright Night soundtrack. Like, Jay Giles' band has a song on it, who gives a shit, right? Um, but no, this this is a jam. So this is a great way to, like, listen to that without having to deal with any of the, of the rest of the Fright Night soundtrack. <laughs> By the way, I wanted to mention, um, I discovered when I was researching for this uh, episode that there is a collaboration LP that came out oh boy. in the same year as this um, called the the Budweiser Concert Hour. Not sure where this was or how that all came together, this is but it is, it is a split LP between Evelyn Champagne King and New Shoes. <laughs> um, and since we're talking about New Shoes... Um, New Shoes, uh, Valerie Day of New Shoes um, is like a sort of a, a buddy of mine. Like I interviewed her way back when, when I was doing college radio and we've just kept in touch on Facebook since then. Valerie from New Shoes just launched a podcast of her own about vocal coaching and it is called Living a Vocal Life. 
by Valerie Day. Oh. So yes, check that out. Valerie is a wonderful human being, very sweet person, and I know that that show is going to be great. I think she's like literally just coming out with the first episode of this. It's brand nice. new. Um, so yeah, I wanted to mention that, and like, w- what a perfect uh, opportunity to uh, plug that. We're talking about <laughs> this album because yes. I, I stumbled across that collab. It's apparently very rare. Like the only copy of it I found was the person wanted like a hundred dollars for it, and I was like, yeah, not so much. Yep. I don't even know if it's good or not. Yeah, right. <laughs> But um, I brought it up because she performs um, several of the songs from this album live in concert on Ah. on the LP. So that's why it's worth mentioning. So there you go. There's Evelyn Champagne King's uh, A Long Time Coming, the the criminally disrespected 1985 album from Evelyn Champagne King. It was a surprise listening to it. I didn't know all of this really existed. It's pretty cool. Indeed. Uh so we should wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, if you want to listen to all of our old stuff, we can give where it we... up. We can give it up and wrap it up at the same time. That was the song we just. Listened. I know. Okay. <laughs> I was all just right. trying to come just up with something me. clever to go <laughs> off of it, and I failed. <laughs> all right. Well, if you'd like to give it up for us and or listen to any of our old episodes, you can do so at offbeattrackscast.com. Um. If you want to shame us for any of our garbage <laughs> views, hey. <laughs> we if are on like Twitter. If you'd like to send us your personal touch, oh, then get off your high horse. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> slow down and head on over to Twitter. <laughs> if you find the time. <laughs> our Twitter address is uh, we at, are off, garbage. at Off Beat Tracks. Right. All yeah. right. Yeah. Let's get at out of here. Off Beat Tracks. We're leaving. We'll see you We're next done. time.